American Craftsman Podcast is sponsored by Hayfla. Hayfla offers a wide range of products and solutions for the woodworking and furniture making industries, from hinges and drawer slides to connectors and dowels, sandpaper, shop carts, wood glue, and everything in between. Exclusive product lines such as Looks LED lighting and Slido door hardware ensure that every project you create is built to last. Learn more at Hayfla.com. Oh, I feel good. <laughs> We're yeah. back. Oh, man. It's been um, at least a month. Uh, I think it's closer to two. Holy smokes. Yeah. It's good to be back in the saddle. Yeah. Season four, episode one, joined by our good friend. Mr. John Peters. Yeah. Happy to be here. Yeah, I don't have a, a an applause uh, sound effect on this, <laughs> this screen. <laughs> you like that little James Brown I threw in there, though? That I was did. good. I do feel good. Yeah. Um, it was hard to find that, <clears throat> that good sound clip. I found a bunch of bad ones, but uh, yeah. So I want to definitely thank our sponsor, Hayfla. And we have a couple of new sponsors that we'll, we'll uh, unveil as we... Go out through the uh, through the show. Yeah, join the party. Yeah, for season four. Um, man, when we last left you guys, that was with Brian. Yeah. How long before Maker Camp was that? Let's see. Oh no, it was before Hayfuller visit. Yeah, that was. Oh, jeez. Exactly. Uh, that was September twenty second. So yeah, it's been seven weeks. Oh my god. Well, maybe. Maybe more because there's five, <laughs> there's five weeks in this November. So just too busy. Yeah. 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 So shortly, shortly after that was the 22nd. Uh, so that was Friday. So the following Wednesday we left and went to Hayfla in North Carolina. The week after that, we went to maker camp in the Catskills. Um, and then we came back to just a boatload of work. We've been paying for that excursion ever since. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised that you guys were taking so much time going down to North Carolina. And then, and then going to Maker's Camp, you were there for like four or five days. Yeah, we were there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah. Walter and I went up on Friday and Sunday morning, Walter's like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Yeah, oh, man. If you if you know if you got to go back to work and stuff on Monday, because I guess they work Columbus Day, right? Yeah, and he's also a, he's a routine guy. Like mm-hmm. Sunday, he's got his regimens that he likes to do. Mm-hmm. He's definitely he's definitely intense. <laughs> I'm that same way, but there's a couple times you know a year where I'll let it slide. Where it's like you know Sunday, it's like laundry, sure cooking food for the week, you know, getting your head right for the work week. But yeah, you know, maker camp only comes once a year. True. Hateful only turns a hundred once in our lifetime. Yeah. Well, they only turn a hundred <laughs> once. <laughs> that sounded like a good time. It was. Yeah. It was. Those sales crew, man, they party. Oh yeah. I guess we should, we should kind of fill everybody in on, on all that stuff because, you know, we've probably mentioned it. Uh, on social media, but we've been pretty much in the dark on yeah, there too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we went down to um, Greensboro, North Carolina, to the um, I forget the name of the convention center in the hotel there. Yeah, some of the K. Um, which Greensboro is right there in that that uh, high point uh, area, which you know 
we've mentioned before, furniture capital of the world. Um, so we're, yeah, down there and, um, you know, hanging out with the people from Hayfla, all the different salespeople and, um, you know, going to the trade show, going to see the Egger melamine factory, which, you know, that was one of the craziest things that we've ever seen, seeing them make melamine, yeah. you know, from a pile of sawdust outside to finished melamine at the end. It was insane. Yeah. The, the sawdust, they'd bring it in with like a, a front end loader. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like tractor trailers come in with a, with like a dump, dump back. Oh yeah. no, no. They, I think they load it into like a thing Yeah, and then it'll lift it up and dumps all the sawdust out. And they, so they just have these mountains of sawdust and, um, it goes through all these crazy pipes <laughs> and, you know, 12 foot <laughs> diameter like ducks. And, um, it's a 10 foot wide continuous sheet of, of particle board that they make. And then they slice it. Any particular species of sawdust? No. Um, I think because they, they take everything. They like were chop saying it it's, all up. Yeah. Right? But they were saying it's mostly Southern yellow pine. Mm. Um, but Egger, so Egger is an Austrian company and they have, I think like 24 plants across the world. And uh, they just opened in, I want to say Raleigh, North Carolina, basically like a recycling center where they take post-consumer wood waste. Like, you know, if, if we were to throw out this table or throw out a Ikea bookcase, they take all that stuff and they grind it up and they make it into melamine. Even with all the glue and fasteners and all that stuff that's going to be in. I, yeah, I don't know what sort of like separation happens, um, but Oh, it's kids getting let out of school. Um, they have things like within the facility where when the sawdust is going through, it's like taking out yeah. pieces that are too big and, and stuff like that. It's so it get, definitely gets sorted and there's those sifters. Yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, that was the Joseph Corey. Joseph Corey. With yeah. a K, convention center. I had to look it up because... Which apparently was like the hot spot back in like, <laughs> yes. you know, 80s, 90s when... What's the name of the club? Uh, well, they called the fifth season. Yeah, the fifth season. I mean... Because it was the four seasons, <laughs> four seasons hotel. Around those parts, I mean, it was legendary. Yeah. These, these nights at the fifth season. Yeah, because they would do all these events in High Point and that's where everybody would stay. All the reps from across the country, you know. So it was, I mean, you could tell that sales reps are like, you know, they like to party. How was um, the food? It was good. Yeah. I mean, we ate hotel food most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the hotel restaurant was pretty good. Um, you know, your standard sort of like buffet breakfast, but not, not like a continental breakfast at like a day's in. It was, you know, better than that. So when everybody's partying, what time does the party shut down? Oh, uh, I'm pretty sure they were closing the bar. Yeah, every night. We is were that, going is that to bed 2 at like, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And they they run the tab. We didn't buy a drink the whole time we were there. I mean, they run these monstrous tabs. I believe yeah. it. Well, you guys aren't drinkers. We drank. Yeah, we, we drank while we were there. We, we tried to do our share. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see that because I don't think I've ever seen you guys have more than one or two beers. The night we went out to dinner... <laughs> Uh, was that the night? When was the night where the lady almost was like going ballistic outside? 
I think that was the night we went to dinner, right? I, I remember her. I don't remember which night it was. Yeah. I got to know what is ballistic? What's she doing? So I think it was the night we went out to dinner. We went out to dinner at this uh, place in the old Henry Bank or something. Is that yeah, what it was? It was, it was a repurposed old building, you know, with like a... Like the interior almost looked like it was completely uh, open. Like, yeah, like super, like three stories tall, but you know, no, no um, ceiling at all up till the top. And it was it was really good food, uh, good service. It was it was a nice event. They they hosted us there as well. Yeah. But was, what was the what was, what was this woman going crazy about? Oh <laughs> oh yeah. So anyway, we have dinner. Yeah, the, is it the O O Henry Hotel? We go to dinner, we come back and, um, oh yeah, Green Valley Grill, that's it. That's it, yeah. It was really good. Um, we come back to the hotel and, uh, you know, we went, got changed and we met up with, with, um, with the hateful people and some of the, you know, everybody's there with, with clients. Like we went down, so there's other reps and their clients are there <clears throat> and we're having a couple drinks. And we, uh, somebody said something about cigars. I was like, oh, I got cigars. I was like, I'll go grab them. So I grabbed a couple. We went outside and, and, you know, we're having some drinks outside, smoking a cigar and see this lady walk out of the hotel, you know, cause we're in this, like, uh, there's like a round driveway kind of thing in the front. And there's sure. a little area with benches, I guess, where people smoke. And you could tell that she's like totally tuned up, like way beyond, like glazed over that, that point of drunk. Yeah. She was honoring drunk. Yeah. Uh, so she's like walking up and I forget what she says. Something like, you know, everybody kind of like got a little quiet when she walked up because you could tell that she was so drunk. She said something, something to that effect. Like, yeah, oh, why'd everybody why, stop talking yeah, or something like that? Yeah, looking at her. Yeah. So we're just like, oh, whatever. And we did then, you know, talking amongst ourselves. And, um, and then Ed came back out, I think, mm -hmm. with some drinks and, and, and she said something and not nothing like bad. She just said something. And then it's like, oh, where are you guys from? And he goes, New Jersey. And she's like, I'd rather fucking kill myself than be from New Jersey. You know, like. And there's like six of us from New Jersey yeah. sitting there. Um, so, yeah, everybody's kind of like, whoa, like, you know, and it, it kind of like went back and forth there for like a second. But then um, she went and sat next to. To, I don't remember those two guys' names. Oh, they were yeah. they were super cool. Yeah, uh, one guy Polish guy, the other guy German guy, and they have a shop where I know I don't know if they work together or separately, but they they work um, somewhere up North Jersey. They have a shop or have each have shops. I'm not sure. Yeah, do a lot of conference tables and stuff. I yeah. Um, so she grabbed the ear of the one guy, the Polish guy. <laughs> we all felt sorry for him. Yeah. <laughs> Um, she ended up like her smashing her wine glass on the ground. Oh my God. Yeah. It, it was like, this lady was a total mess. Yeah. It was one of those things where you, you really fear for what could go wrong. Yeah. And then she ended up like somehow blurting out something about her ex-boyfriend being from New Jersey. And we're like, ah, oh, this makes a lot of sense. <laughs> People don't know New Jersey. No. New Jersey is a beautiful state. I mean. Oh yeah. It's, it, it can be a little fast, a little intense, I think. Mm-hmm. And you realize that when you go to other states, yeah. sometimes I have to like tell myself to like slow down a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but 
It's just a beautiful area. I mean, the Jersey beaches are. Yeah. We have it all. We have the mountains. We have, you know, the beach, everything. Yeah. I think it's, I think people just think of, uh, you know, Newark airport mm-hmm. and what they're flying into. That's yeah, what like, I thought of when I, before I moved here. The yeah. opening of Sopranos. That's what they think <clears throat> New Jersey is. Sure. Exactly. Which, you know, we got plenty of that too, but. For being such a small state and being so densely populated, you know, you can really get out there and, and not see any people. If you go 15 minutes west of Route 35, or really west of the parkway, it's mm-hmm. pretty country. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you get into like Colts Neck and yeah. Farmingdale. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. I'd like to get, did you ever do any motorcycle riding out there when, did, when you had your motorcycle? I didn't really ride too much out in Jersey. As soon as I came out here, I sold both my bikes. But I always uh, think, uh, I want to get a, like an Enduro kind of on off road mm-hmm. and, and just do more exploring. Yeah. Um, I, I need more like, uh, twisty roads and, um, less danger from cars and things well, sure. like that. It's not you generally. It's somebody pulling, yeah. out, pulling out in front of you. Yeah. Um, I, I think just, I mean, I quit riding, Right before people were driving with phones. Yeah. Um, and I felt already that people were distracted and it was dangerous. And now, to give it some context, I didn't even own a car for 20 years. And all I had were bikes. And so I rode, you know, just a motorcycle for transportation. All, all weather. <laughs> all weather. And I rode from California up into Canada to New York. So, solo. Wow. So I have some experience on two wheels. I can't believe you're not going to get another bike. <laughs> it's not safe out there. Yeah. And the thing I missed also was the camaraderie. You know, I belong to a motorcycle club out in San Francisco, SFMC, which had uh, a lot of history. It's the second oldest motorcycle club in the world, formed in 1903. So we owned our own clubhouse in San Francisco. We met every week. And it was pretty cool. You know, we weren't, uh, you know, we weren't a, 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 like a patch club. You know, we, we, you had a um, prospect and things like that for six months. You know, you couldn't just join. You hmm. had to be voted into the club. You know, you wore colors and things like that, but not, you, we weren't an outlaw club. Yeah, it wasn't the pokers or the Hells Angels. No, or, no. Know. Um, but because of the age of the club, we were held in higher regard than other like civilian clubs because of, you know, being so old. So like we got invited to events, you know, we went to the angels clubhouses for parties and wow. things like that and um, stuff, but you knew where you, <laughs> you, could, you, could, yeah. not, you did not, not see that meth, that meth lab back there. Right. <laughs> you didn't say or do anything, you know, to get yourself in trouble. If you started riding, could you ride with that club? Could you just go right back to it? Or to SFMC? It, yeah. Um, probably have to pay your back dues. Yeah, I'd probably <laughs> have to pay my back dues. But uh, I actually, I, I gave my colors to Christopher, uh, my old uh, assistant. You gave him your, your coat, your shirt? Uh, yeah. Not your shirt, but uh, your riding jacket? It's a it's a vest. Cool. With, you know, your name on it and the, and the patch on the back and things. What, they call it a cut? Yeah, they call your colors. Mm. Now, you wrote a Triumph, though, didn't you? Yeah, I wrote a Triumph. Most guys in, in like, civilian clubs don't ride Harleys unless it's, like, a Harley 
oriented club. Harleys are pretty big right now. Yeah, yeah. I rode a Triumph. I had three bikes. I had a Triumph, a Yamaha, and a Honda at the time. Well, the Triumph was a street bike. Uh, both the Honda and the Yamaha were dual sports, like an Enduro. Like you're Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I would like is a dual sport. I like yeah. the more upright um, position that you're in. Mm-hmm. You got to get with Ed. He'll get you all set up. Oh, yeah. That's what yeah. he does. Ed's got a, Ed a from Beamer. Hayford. Oh, no, he's got the Triumph. He's got the Tiger. But his other bike's a Beamer. Oh, the, the other one that he leaves out yeah. there? So Ed, what he does is like now, <clears throat> like when we left North Carolina, he like, he had taken his buddy's bike and he, I think, rode back up here. But then he flew out to Reno, I think it was, where is the last place he left his bike. So he flies out to Reno, his bike's in storage. They take it out. They ride to wherever, Washington State. And he leaves it there. Wow. And then when yeah. the next time he goes out, he flies to Washington. So it's like, you know, you get to ride all these cool places, but you don't have to ride from here all the way there. Or yeah, back. That's a nice thing. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of, uh, not much <laughs> in between some of these places. Plus, you, you know, who's got six weeks. Yeah. It takes a long time. I took three months to, when I came across the country. Did you, did you enjoy it? I did. I, I have a journal somewhere. I'll I'll break it open one day and look at it and see what my frame of mind was. Yeah. Self published that on Amazon. <laughs> did you did you journal every day? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, you know, it's like I, I wrote down my mileage, like went from, you know, monkey's eyebrow, Kentucky to uh It's a real town by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so and so saw this, saw that, you know, and things like that. And I, I stayed off the interstates for the most part. You um, should self-publish that on Amazon. <laughs> you just got to get somebody to transcribe it. Yeah. Um, and I couch surfed almost the whole way. I had a little list of friends of friends of friends. And I just call up, you know, like on, on the payphone because that's what it was back then. Wow. And say, yeah, I'm Rob from San Francisco. I'm a friend of Dave's who knows uh, Jenny Mack. And uh, they said I could give you a call when I'm in town and spend the night. And they're like, yeah, come on in. That's awesome. Yeah, it was it's an amazing thing, you know, uh, like the welcoming of, you know, strangers. Well, it must've been a highlight in their week too, to all of a sudden talk to this guy who's riding his motorcycle across the country. I mean, yeah, they were all riders too, you know? So yeah. So that, that's you how you know the network. So they're like one guy blew a fork seal in Colorado. And one guy, I spent the day there and he helped me break down my bike and went and, you know, Brought it to a shop and got it fixed and put it back together. So what were you, in your 30s when you did this? It was 1998, going to 99. Yeah, so, yeah, it was late 30s. Hmm. You know, it's one of those things everybody always says they want to do it. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> you probably did it at, like, just the point where you probably wouldn't have been able to do it, like, it, well, at 40. That was it. You know, all these things you can't do, you know, after a certain point, or it's much more difficult. It was easy for me back then. I just took all my stuff. I put it in storage in San Francisco. Um, and I made this rule. If I didn't use it in the past six months, I gave it away. It's a good so, rule. So I had very little stuff. And I said, I'm going to get to New York. I teach my wife that rule. <laughs> Same. <laughs> but I'm going to 
stop, you know, and make my route and stop at all these places that I think I might want to live, you know, that people have told me about. And if, if uh, nothing appeals to me more than just going home, I'll, you know, I'll just stay in New York. And that's obviously where I wound up. So what'd you do with all the stuff that was in storage in San Francisco? I flew, I left my bike at my aunt's and flew back. And then I had another bike there and a, a, um, an Isuzu Trooper. And I got a U-Haul and a trailer. I put my bike inside the U-Haul and I got a trailer and pulled the Isuzu. You pulled the trailer with the Isuzu. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a big, uh, a popular vehicle back then. Yeah, mine was like one of the old boxy ones with yeah. roll-up windows. <laughs> I had a buddy with a, with a trooper. And yeah. it was a trooper, like that thing. <laughs> yeah, You could just beat it into the ground. That and it was just mine kept going. too. Yeah. I finally, I, uh, the reason I got rid of it was because I couldn't pass inspection because something was wrong with like the gas cap seal. Yep. And I couldn't get it fixed and I couldn't pass inspection. But, you know, like the odometer stopped working at 170,000 miles. I had no idea how many miles were on it. Is, is there still an Isuzu I don't vehicle? Know. I don't think there is. Uh, I don't think so. <clears throat> maybe, maybe, maybe not internationally. Not the, yeah, yeah, not in the U.S. And my cousin Tom had one. Yeah, it, it, was, it was great. It, was, it could barely make it over the Driscoll Bridge, though. You know, you had to ramp up to get over the Driscoll. That's how weak it was. That little four banger. Yeah, in there. yeah. <laughs> Downshifting one time. Yeah, his was top. a uh, his was a um, a standard shift as well. Yeah, yeah. I think they probably all were back then. Oh man. Well, I was looking for a good segue. Yeah, I was going to use the word cut or ridge somehow, oh. but. <laughs> So we want to take some time and thank another sponsor, a new sponsor of the podcast, our yeah. good friends at Ridge Carbide, who, you know, we use their blades literally every day yeah, in the shop. Quite a while, too. Yeah, now. have for, um, I think, about three years now, we've been buying um, basically only Ridge Carbide and, and Everlast um, blades. So Ridge has been around for uh, over 30 years now. And um, it's one of those things where everybody wants to buy, you know, a, a blade from Home Depot mm. because it's cheaper than buying a blade like a Ridge carbide. But what happens after, you know, one project and, you know, maybe you, you know, you clip a nail or something like that, that blade's shot. So... You know, with a with a ridge carbide blade, you're going to be paying a little bit more, but you can sharpen that blade. I mean, we have blades that have been sharpened, I don't even know, what, 10 times? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, these blades will literally last years and years, so. Yeah, and they come back it, almost better than new, like from yeah. the sharpener. I mean, they, you can you can really hone the, the edge on those teeth. Yeah. Is, is the blade that you guys use most, uh, is that 40 tooth? Yeah, so we have a forty tooth. Um, Every fifth blade is a is a a raker. Yeah, yeah. So it's an ATBR, which is an alternate tooth bevel raker. So, um, yeah, I guess it's every fifth. So it's like you have, uh, you know, the the teeth are shaped like triangles. So yeah. one's a left, one's a right, right, one's a left, one's a right, and then there's a square one. 
or maybe it's in the maybe it's two square and then two. I forget, but um, I think the blade that we use is called a TS two thousand. That's our general purpose uh, blade for the cabinet saw, the saw stop. We use a Super Dado Master cross cutting plywood and ripping with that blade. Yeah, um, it's not going to perform great cross cutting plywood. Cross cutting hardwood, it's pretty good. You yeah. know, plywood just because the veneer is so thin. You're going to get some tear out on that top side. Yeah. So. What what would be what would be the best for cross cutting plywood? Uh, we use I'm not sure what the ridge equivalent would be, but we use a, an Everlast blade. It's a double faced laminate. That's the way to go for cross cutting plywood, melamine, anything like that. Double faced laminate blade. That cut you made yesterday uh, was it yesterday? Uh, well, we don't have a ridge on the street big, but. <laughs> I made a cut on the Strebig and like put the two pieces together and like the seam disappeared completely. I was like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that was, that was just an accident because yeah, you know, they didn't, we didn't have a blade when the saw was delivered. Yeah. We have to, um, we have to see what Ridge has for the Strebig. Yeah. See what we can put on there. I get questions about blades all the time and I have a Ridge carbide and I like that. It's got that raking blade. Mm-hmm. They they also call that a flat ground tooth. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. like I got a flat top, flat maybe flat top tooth. Okay, something like that. Yeah, yeah. so you can cut joinery and you don't get that little V. Yeah, you know? yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I was gonna say uh, about the sharpening. Like that's where we send our blades to be sharpened. Also, is ridge. So because they manufacture the blades, they're fully outfit to sharpen the blades. So mm-hmm. even if you have a blade from whoever else, uh, Amana or uh Woodworker twos. Yeah, from like that. What's a forest, forest or or anything. Even like a I mean, I wouldn't send out a Diablo, but I'm sure they'd sharp <laughs> they'd sharpen it for you if you sent it to them. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because I when we used to send our stuff up to Buffalo, a dynamic, I've sent some inexpensive blades along. I used to use Woodworker twos, um, and I'm a big convert. But uh, I've sent some inexpensive blades, and they are better than new when they come back. Oh, yeah. How yeah. long is the process for sharpening? It's mostly the travel time. Yeah. I think it's, um, a, you know, it'd probably be about like a two-week because you got to ship it out there, they got to sharpen it, and then they ship it back. I thought Ridge was originally in New Jersey. They were. Um, so the guy that, that owned Ridge originally had it for like 30 years. And then um, about two or three years ago, it was bought by uh, a company that actually used to manufacture most of their blades. So they're out in Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. Not Monkey's Eyebrow. No, I'm, I forget <laughs> where. Actually, it probably says we're here. South Hutchinson. Oh, Kansas. Sorry. Kansas. Jeez. That other K state. Don't don't uh, don't hold it against us, Paul. <laughs> I might do a, a show on on one of their blades because people ask me questions about it all yeah, the time. I mean, it's it's one of the core elements of your shop. Yeah, you, you know, beyond the machinery, you got to have good cutting tools. It, for me, that that raking blade is like a must-have. Mm-hmm. Just for lap, I do a lot of lap joints. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're all. Uh, Happy Ridge users. Well, the great thing is to have a sponsor that you really believe in and something that you've been using for so many years. It's not like you're yep. like, oh, you know, let's um, work with this person just because. Oh, yeah. I mean, when we actively sought out sponsors for the 
before the show. That's the only way to that go. That was our, it's a short list. Yeah. It's not just, let's see if we can get anybody to, uh, you know, sponsor us. Yeah. I, when I was talking to Paul from Ridge, I was telling him about the 3M ads that we did. <laughs> and so we, if you guys remember, I, I don't know if it was season two or beginning of season three, we did some ads for the 3M extract sandpaper and we were reached out to from some third party. And I think we did, was it 10 episodes maybe? Maybe. Um, and it just like, it is good sandpaper. I, I won't deny that. Any sandpaper that 3M makes is going to be good. Yeah. 3M makes the best sandpaper um, as far as, as far as we can tell. Although our next sponsor <laughs> might, <laughs> might disagree. Um, so we know it's a good product, but... I mean, we're, we weren't users of 3M Extract, um, even though we jokingly alluded to the fact that, that we were, um, <laughs> which I think we tried to make abundantly clear that, you know, that we weren't actually using. We were using 3M Cubitron, right. um, not the Extract. Because we're just not, we don't like mesh sandpaper, you know? It's not our thing. A lot, but a lot of people like it. Yeah. But it, it was kind of put a bad taste in our mouth about advertising or sponsorship with something that we didn't actually... Yeah, I think it's one thing to to say, okay, well, this company is helping support this um, this show, mm -hmm. but it's a it's another thing to endorse it. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So, like, there's this company that sent me a fire pit, and I don't know what I'm going to do with them right now. <laughs> uh, it's really cool, actually. I saw that. So yeah. my my friend Peter, who who I work with from time to time. He uh, said, hey, these guys want to send you a fire pit. And I was like, well, send it along, see how it goes. And then I, I, of course, made a short video of, like, assembling it. I like making those assembly videos, like how to, how to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, if I end up working with them, it'll just be very, hey, these people are paying me to, yeah. to, to show you this fireplace and tell you that they're having a sale. Um, which is different than saying, hey, I've been using this fireplace for three years and it's the best one I've ever. Right. Yeah. Like if audience trusts you. If I'm Harbor sorry. Freight called and said, <laughs> hey, we're going to pay you guys to, you know, talk about Harbor Freight, it'd be like, okay, yeah, that's fine. But we use the blankets. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, we're not going to, you know, all of a sudden pretend like we go to Harbor Freight and buy tools there all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. We get our drawer slides from Harbor, Fre yeah. Harbor Freight. <laughs> yeah. Did buy a spray gun from Harbor Freight. Uh, was that last week? In that a pinch? was funny. Oh God. Was it bad? Um, well, it got me through the day because we were having issues with so we installed that mudroom. And a uh, big thanks to Ridge. We um we installed that mudroom last Friday. And so Thursday we were working on the like sanding the boxes all the way until Fri uh Thursday at like 10 a.m. or something. Yeah. And I had to shoot the money <laughs> shot on all the painted stuff, you know, because I, I had sprayed the first coat of top, top coat on like Tuesday or something. And it was really dusty in the shop. So it was pulling all the dust into the, into the finish. So um, I had to wait until all the boxes were done being sanded so that, you know, we didn't have all this dust in the shop. So I, uh, I was having some issues with pinning on the first coat, which is when you see like all these little pinholes in the finish. So I shot a message over to Dan at United Finishes, New Doors United Finishes. And um, you know, we got to talking, blah, blah, blah. 
and he was giving me some tips. I set up the gun and I'm like, I couldn't get it to go away. I was getting all these bubbles in the finish and I had to have the the pressure at like 75 PSI, which is crazy. Like you don't want to spray over like 28 PSI, I think is usually like the max recommended. Um, so he couldn't figure out, I couldn't figure out what was going on, you know. Uh, so we were thinking maybe there were some seals that went bad in the in the PPS gun. So I was like, it must have been one thirty, two o'clock. <laughs> and I'm like, oh God. Like we had already told the client like Friday, eight AM we'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I think I'm just gonna go to Harbor Freight and buy a gun and just, you know, if it's the gun, this, you know, should at least get us through. So I went and you know, they sell like a fifteen dollar gun, which a lot of guys use and they say it's good. Um, they only had one of those and it had clearly been returned and it was like, you know, there was like tape like wrapped all around the box. So I'm <laughs> the, like the Harbor freight return. Yeah. You can always oh, trust man. that. I'm like, I'm definitely not buying that. So I bought one that was $99 and, um, the quality actually seemed like not terrible. Um, and I didn't get a perfect finish. I was still getting some bubbles, but I was able to bring the pressure all the way down to like below 30 pounds. Um, but it just, it wasn't getting a lot of fluid coming out for some reason. Hmm. Yeah. So we're going to new doors United finishes on Saturday for, um, their spray day with Nate. So Nate is a guy up in Massachusetts and he's a, a professional finisher and he goes around. I'm not sure how many others he's done and he does these classes. Nice. So we're going to, um, try out like the, uh, <laughs> Apollo HVLP sprayer. Looks nice. like a turbine like you use. <clears throat> So I'm thinking that we're probably going to end up going that direction because I think what what it turned out to be is probably water in our lines. You're going to go with the turbine. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So we'll see. We got to yeah. try it out first. I mean, I'll be curious to see how the turbine works because that's what I spray with. Yeah. Hey, do you know how many stages yours is? No. Three or four, five. Q five. Oh, probably five stages. Yeah. Yeah. Does that mean how much pressure? Um, it's like how many fans are on the inside, but like the more stages, the um, the better it is to push out like, you know, uh, very viscous paints. Okay. Yeah. So we're shooting water-based paint. You know, we need a five stage or a six stage. I mean, you're yeah. welcome to borrow mine. Check it out. Yeah. Plus I have a turbine that I don't use anymore, which is... Probably 25 years old, but well, I have one. The cool thing about these Apollos, and I, I guess Fuji makes it too, and um, and you can just buy them, but you can run like a little two-quart pressure pot. So you can have at the turbine, you plug into the, it has a little compressor. You plug that into the pressure pot, and you have your paint hose coming out and your air hose coming out, and then you can paint with just the gun. That's nice. And you don't have to have all the paint. Because spraying with 20, 28 <laughs> ounces of paint on the top of the gun, my shoulder at the end of the day and my like arm is shot. Plus you can get into tighter spots. Yeah. It's just, it's when I used to spray with compressed air, I had that same setup where mm -hmm. you had the fluid coming through, just had two, two, uh, you know, air and fluid coming mm -hmm. to the gun. And, um, I wonder where, I forget how that worked. I forget where I put the lacquer. Did you have like a, a, uh, was there a, a pump, pop. a separate pump or, or was it a turbine? That was, I don't even. It was with a compressor? Yeah. It was, 
I was spraying with a compressor. So it went through the dryer first. You must have had some kind of pressure pot. Yeah, I did. I did. And I would hang the pressure pot like close to where I was. And I'd yeah, have like yeah. a 10 foot hose that came off of it. Yep. Yeah. We have a five gallon pressure pot upstairs, um, but we're never spraying that much. Yeah, paint. that's a lot of material. Yeah. Two quart, I think, is good. They make one that's two and a half gallons also. It's like a, it's a cart that has the turbine, the pressure pot, all that stuff, but that we don't spray that much. Uh, but I, I've been now, ever since that, because I wasn't happy with the way the finish came out. So now I'm hyper obsessed, overly fixated with that's so <laughs> the important. idea, you know. So I'm watching all these videos about turbines and spraying and water-based finishes. And so I just want to figure it out for the next one. Yeah, if you don't have to have any guesswork in your finish, you're you're cutting out so much potential wasted time. Yeah. Because you can get to the the day or two before you have to deliver something and go into that day completely confident mm -hmm. or wondering if everything's going to blow up. Yeah. Yeah, and the you know, the turbine makes its own clean air, so you don't have to worry about the moisture and um if we ever had to do something on site, we could actually take that with us. Plug it right into the wall. Yeah. And when I was up doing the renovation in Vermont, you know, 15 years ago or whatever it was, I just put that turbine up there. I painted everything with it. It was mm -hmm. great. Yeah. And you spray like command and stuff through years all the time. Yeah. I spray command. It comes out nice. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be interested to see how you guys, I'm actually going to go to school on what you guys do because there's always room to learn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kidding. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, we're, I'm sure we're going to learn a ton on Saturday because, I mean, we've painted some stuff and it's come out good, but it's just by sheer luck, I think. What are you spraying now? What's the uh, finish? Uh, the Enduro white undercoat and, and tinted poly top coat. That's Is general you, finishes. General finishes, okay. Yeah. With the new label. Yeah, yeah. They like <laughs> did a, a reformulation rebrand there. Yeah. Um, and you sprayed on Thursday and <clears throat> delivered on Friday. Yep. And the finish was hard enough, no problem. Yep. Nice. Yeah, I mean, the primer dries so fast. It's crazy. You know, if you're spraying like a, you know, half a, a dozen things, by the time you get to the last one, the first one's ready to flip over and, and dry. That's great. Yeah. And it really, it stands up nice. Um, so what do they recommend? Six... Six to eight mils, wet mills. Um, that guy Nate, I was watching this thing. He was he sprayed twenty one wet mills. What? Yeah. So you can get it's a crazy high build primer. Um, so you know it it really will sand out really nice. I never saw one of those little gauges until Chris and Dan came by that day. I had seen them. I never used them. Yeah, I mean they taught us a couple important things that day just in the, the, the small amount of time the light <laughs> the light the you know using a tack cloth do you use a tack cloth i don't yeah we never did either we just blow everything off you'd be amazed if you blow something off and then you wipe a tack cloth over oh, it how God. much dust is still on well, there i don't use a tack cloth but i use a paper towel like an mm -hmm. industrial paper towel okay. and that's still you know you're probably leaving lint on it then oh yeah, yeah. the, the yeah. amount of dust like those boxes, I was vacuuming the hell out of those boxes. Yeah, and there's still dust. And there was still, I was, you know, straining yeah. twice every time, the oil. And there was there was so much dust in there. 
what I was doing is I was vacuuming out the inside and then the whole outside and then the inside again, because when you start to flip it around, yeah. it starts to knock the <laughs> yeah. dust loose. Oh God. That's so we'll, yeah, the boxes, we'll get, the boxes we, uh, we completed on Monday today being Wednesday. Uh, it was 672. Yeah. No. Well, it's yeah. 662. 662. Yeah. We so had not a, a ton of extras. extras. Yeah. Not a ton of extras this time around, but, um, we got a lot of really near misses, you know, that yeah. people be happy to have. Yeah. Well, most regular people would be happy to have it. <laughs> <laughs> like all our friends and family and stuff like that, that, yeah. you know, we gift them to there. We don't point out the flaws. Right. They don't. They'll never see them. Yeah. Behind but, you over there, I see one or two that look like they're made out of maple. Yeah. yeah that's why they didn't. That's a reject because it's like all sap wood. Is the inside of that one dark? No. I think just the inside of the lid on. on oh, yeah. Yeah. That's one that got put in the laser upside. Oh, wow. The front. The front is nice. Yeah. 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 But that in the sun, you know, that might darken up yeah, to a pretty good color. His, his name is weak and everything. Yeah. So it, it, like we some, had a lot of laser issues. Sometimes it's a compilation of, you know, a couple small know. things. Like I, would, I wouldn't mind this box. No, I like that. But you, but as you're doing it, you start thinking, oh man, somebody paid for this. I don't want to cause any problems. If somebody gets it then they're gonna have to return it and yeah. this and that so you that's the thing adam's gotten some real uh snarky emails from people about little imperfections you know which are normal in a handmade thing sure um you know small inconsistencies in like the the gaps on the <laughs> lid and the lid like moves around you know like the holes are big so that the pin yeah. can move so it's like depending on how you you can move right. the lid around and change the gaps. Like it's did uh did this go much quicker than the first time? Um if, definitely than the first time. I don't know about the second I feel like the second time went smoother, but it could just be a uh, you know, accumulation of circumstances. We we spent I mean, we had to play catch up and so we spent eleven hour days and two straight weekends yeah. Saturday and Sunday <laughs> to make these boxes. So I think that effect, you know, sort of is heavy in our minds and our memory kind of weighs down like yeah. how much it took to get these boxes done. And two 60-hour weeks cutting them before that. <laughs> well, that was Jeff. Yeah. I think the um, couple of things, too. One of the, the laser, trying to figure out that thing. Yeah, so we, we got our Monport laser doesn't work. So that was kind of a kick. Not sponsored. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then uh, the tube or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had a laser tube. That's that's a reason why there's so many duds over there. Is um, uh, I was here on a Sunday cutting some boxes, coming on Monday, and then like, you know, running these batches, and like slowly they're getting progressively worse, and then like the bottom of the K on one position of the laser is not even coming out at all. So we had like 20 something boxes that day that were just garbage. So um started to troubleshoot and, you know, I'm talking to Chad from Chad's Custom Creations. He's like my laser guru. Um, and he was like, 
you know, help me with some things. I'm doing research. And finally, I'm like, I think our laser tube is going bad. So I uh, got in touch with Boss, the manufacturer of our laser. And um, it took like two and a half days of me calling every three hours to finally get somebody on the phone, which, you know, I understand everybody's busy and short staffed and, but it kind of, it, it pissed me off. Um, but finally I got somebody and the cool thing about boss is they actually send like these diagnostic tools when you buy the laser. So they send like this resistor or something to check the power supply. And then this other thing to check the tube. So we determined that it's the tube. Um, I'm like, okay, how much is a tube and how much is it to get it here tomorrow? Because we're already behind at this point. Yeah. You know? Like basically we wanted these to be done the first week in November. Um, so, but we were a week, we finished them a week later than we uh, wanted to. Um, my wife is calling me. Let me just text her. Yeah. So we uh, ponied up the dough. And it was not inexpensive to ship it overnight. Unreal. <laughs> yeah. So that it was like cost us like a little over 1500 bucks to get the laser here. Um, the laser tube here the next day. Are you going to be doing more boxes in an, another six months or another year? Yep. Every six months or every. Yeah. That's the plan. Wow, that's good. Yeah. Till they stop selling. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, these sold out pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, anything within six hours is fast. That's yeah. pretty incredible. I think yeah. they sold out in like three or four hours. Right. Yeah. I mean, in 515 minutes. So that's wild. And, you know, we're getting better. This, this batch, um, some parts of them I think came out not quite as good as the last, but, but like the finish I think is, is much nicer. You know, we got them sanded to a higher grid. Yeah. Uh, because of the, um, hammer. Yeah. Which, uh, this, so this will come out Friday and then we'll probably have that video out what Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll edit it tonight. Probably. I'm excited about the, the channel. All it's, right. um, I know a few months ago when we started, we, we talked about eventually building furniture and I, I still see that happening. I'm looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. I could have, I can even see down the road, like a coffee table book with builds and then the plans and the builds. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. I could totally, because you can do all of this stuff. And I mean, I like the idea of the three of us having kind of a a design meeting, maybe on video, then coming up with the, the, the ultimate design. Mm -hmm. And then I could see myself doing a little bit of the building, but really doing a lot of the filming. Because you kind of, you can't do everything. <laughs> yeah. And... I like yeah. being behind the camera. I, that's what I've really learned. I I really enjoy editing the videos with you and Rob or Jeff and Rob uh, because it's just kind of a challenge to make it all work and, you know, using B-roll to make things flow. I guess also I'm just a little tired of just editing myself for the yeah. last 10 years. That that's it. Sometimes you get tired of your own voice. Uh, like I feel like that as a songwriter. You know, in, when I was playing in the band, it was like, can somebody else come up with some ideas? You know, and then I even intentionally like bring demos to the band that like, all right, let's, you know, horn section. Would you put some horn parts here? And it's like, 
month would go by. They got nothing. They got nothing, you know. But you get, I would get tired of, you know, my own voice. It's like, I got nothing left to say. You know? that, and, and you're going to be overly critical of your own yeah. self and, you know, wanting to uh, microanalyze yeah. everything that you said. You know, whereas if it's somebody else, it's easier to accept what they gave you. You know yeah. what I mean? Rather than it, what well, you gave yourself. It's also much more natural because a lot of times when we're shooting videos here, I'll ask you, I'll ask either of you yeah. questions and I'll cut myself out. Yeah. So it's a very true response to the question that I've just asked. Yeah. With me shooting myself, I'm trying to think of what I'm supposed to say to get the point across. And it just loses its authenticity. Now, I get a lot of really nice comments from that people saying- That might be your perspective. It's my like, perspective. Because when I watch it, I was like, man, John's good. <laughs> it's so nice to hear. Because, I, you know, so a lot of times if I'm building a piece of furniture out of plywood, I'll, I'll break the sheets down a little heavy, a quarter mm -hmm. of an inch, eighth of an inch, whatever. But, geez, when I have to say that again and again, I'm going to rip this a little bit heavy so I can clean it up. I feel like, man, I felt like I said that 50 times already. It's <laughs> like, but then you have to say, well, maybe the person watching this hasn't seen any of your other videos right, and yeah. they're only, so the, the reason the, or the way I make it make sense to me now when I try to make a, a furniture build video is I convince myself that this is a teaching video that I hope the viewer will result in a, in a piece of furniture for their home. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to give them the information that they need combined with the plans to make it make sense. And that's kind of how I'm selling myself on continuing to make those types of videos where ultimately I think I, I'd really rather enjoy um, making the videos that we've been talking about and, and I can see almost um, uh, a home with, you know, today's craftsman, John Peters Green Street Joinery type furniture in it. And just a, almost like a lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, you have to be able to see these things in order to try to make them happen. Yeah. Could what? be the Airbnb for the woodworking school. Well, exactly. And it's like a place that you'd really want to go, you know, that you'd, you could go and really enjoy the surrounding, the furniture, the way the rooms are put together, the artwork. Um, so I could totally see that. I can totally see that. And I think that um, as we continue, hopefully in the, in the new year, maybe we can convert that shop into a, yeah. a furniture studio. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think it would take us that long to build a piece of furniture, the three of us, from, from design to construction especially with the tools that you have at your disposal. Yeah. And when you, when you design something with the intent to be able to, um, you know, make it relatively quickly, it's a lot easier to, yeah. you know, <laughs> you work that into the design when you don't have all these client required constraints or client imposed constraints. Um, you know, you can take the design Liberty to make it, you know, the way that you know, you could do it quickly. And how the, let's say weekend woodworker could also right, do it. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So like I look at shaker furniture and not just shaker furniture, but uh, modern furniture. There's 
the simplistic beauty where you're combining clean design with with wood selection mm-hmm. and to convey that point to to the viewer and ultimately the person who's going to build this furniture, I think it will really inspire them to want to spend time in the shop with us, build that furniture, and then have that furniture for their home. So right now, I think it's more trendy to come up with some kind of far out idea and build something that's just like, wow, that's wild. Yeah. But generally, those wild things are are not things that woodworkers, aspiring woodworkers actually want to build. No. Nah. Right? So And they're not useful. They're fodder for a landfill, you know, yeah. after after a certain <laughs> amount of time. I do agree with that. And I don't want to be mean or mean spirited in, in anything because I I I've watched some of the videos of the what I consider that kind of fodder for a landfill. Um, I, it's, it's challenging. Those videos are challenging to make and, and there's some real artistry there, but I don't think they will last the test of time. Yeah. And for me, I lose all, I lose all motivation if I don't have purpose. And so when I think there's no purpose in building something, I'm sort of like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. It's forced. Again, it becomes unnatural because it's, Everything that we build here is purpose built because somebody called us and they needed mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? True. So, um, I mean, we're lucky in that way where the most stressful jobs here are the ones that we are doing for ourselves or, or whatever that where there's zero guidance because then all the decisions are on you, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. it get, it becomes hard. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like right now I'm, picking out uh, doorknobs for the thing that I'm building, this walnut. And uh, I'm actually, I'm building that for my sister. So it is a client or, you know, I have, I, it's, it's got to be good, mm-hmm. but it's not a client in that. It's like someone over in Rumson is going to point out every little imperfection <laughs> potentially. Um, but, but at the same time, I'm sort of like, boy, it would be nice if somebody else was picking out this hardware mm-hmm. because... It's another decision. And it's so, um, hardware is one of those things that's such a personal choice. Like what I think might look good, you probably, you might hate, Rob might think is okay. And the client loves it, you know, whatever it's everybody. It's so polarizing, you know, like little, uh, finished hardware. We moved completely away from it. Good for you. I mean, I think that having a good designer who can, who, who has the eye, to pick out great hardware. That's just something you no longer have to think about. Mm-hmm. And you can be pleasantly surprised when the hardware looks great. Cause it generally yeah. will because design, most designers are pretty good. Yeah. Well, I used to give clients a, a selection to choose from based on the sizes, you know, like, cause a lot of times you, you have to dictate the size of it yeah. to, to make it look right. And I, so I would send them like half a dozen things go, these come in the, the right size. They're in the right price range. Pick one of these. Yeah. <laughs> but then that's just more time that you're not getting yeah, paid for. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then yeah. they don't like any of them. No. Yeah. I, it was funny because you say that we were scrolling through a bunch of old pictures and I was like, yeah, I remember spending like an inordinate amount of time doing that. <laughs> that was a financial disaster there. You know, all these things that, 
were good jobs in the end, you know, as far as like the finished project. But you think, my God, I spent a long time building that, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. Well, building, building stuff takes a long time. And, you know, it was just, I couldn't, I couldn't really sustain that kind of, um, boutique building arrangement. You know what I mean? That, that's a hard yeah. road to hoe. There's only so many clients too, you know, and they seem to right. have uh, either all <coughs> died or lost, <laughs> lost what money they had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was a, you know, that was a luxury arrangement, you know? Well, I think that, um, I think sometimes when you're building that kind of boutique furniture, you can overthink uh, a lot of the things. And that's why, like, to bring up Shaker again, you just look at it and you're like, wow, this is so simple and it just mm-hmm. works. Oh, yeah. So why overthink everything? Uh, you know, it's funny, like, the um, the piece of furniture that I'm building now, I'm, I'm veneering it because it'll be much easier made, mm-hmm. veneered. But I, if if we were building it, I would make that carcass dovetailed and build it out of solid wood. But once you build it out of solid wood, then everything you have to really think about expansion and contraction. And it's a different it's engineer. A whole, it's a whole nother thing. It's, yeah. it's double the price too. Or at least, you know what I mean? Just, <laughs> More than that. Yeah, yeah. Just because then you have to join all those boards to make an 18 inch wide board. And then to join those boards, you have to look at how, what's your grain alignment going oh, to yeah. be. And you got to buy, you know, double the amount of wood that especially with walnut, walnut. That, that you actually need so that you can pick out the good boards you know yeah. that or spend you know half a day at the lumber yard picking through them which is a, a tremendous amount of time yeah going to the lumber yard can really eat up time it's a day it is a day yeah. and if um that's the way i used to even think about it and i never got paid for that day yeah. that's why we just have it delivered you know and it when you buy from um you know, a good wholesale supplier, everything that, that shows up is good for the most part. Plug Lewis Lumber. Yeah. <laughs> now, I listened to uh, when you had um, Rob and um, Corey on, mm-hmm. and Corey makes a lot of tables, but you guys don't seem to make a lot of tables. No, no I think, uh, I don't know if we have some kind of aversion to it where we the numbers that we put on them are just really, really high. But we, we also get a lot of requests for like these wacky tables, like not just like a simple shaker table or, or a simple trestle table. Everybody wants like, uh, can we get like an 18 foot table with four <laughs> leaves so that it, so that it's 25 feet long. It's like, yeah. wow. that's like a lot of engineering in that. Leaves you know? change everything. I, I hate yeah, everybody wants leaves. And the problem with leaves is they screw up the design mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can take like, the beautiful thing about a table, like you look at those old shaker tables, those long tables, mm-hmm. they're beautiful because they're just so long and elegant. Yeah, and there was a big wide board that they, you know. And a big long board without a, without a cross cut in the center yeah, for yeah. a leaf. Yeah. You put the leaf in there and it just ruins it. That was the thing on that big, stupid 17-foot long dining table I made. The client wanted this specific... Um, Edge detail. So it was like this built up edge detail. It's like a like, big undercut. Yeah. Yeah. And then they wanted two leaves. I'm like, all right, I can make this table expand, but I can't make the leaves with this edge detail um, because the table's five foot wide. You're going to, 
how are you going to take this leaf off and where are you going to put it? You know, it's not going to be practical. You know, you're going to, you're not going to want to move this leaf around. It's going to be too heavy and too awkward and too big. No, 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 we want it. And people send us all these like ultra modern, like the capsule shape is really hot right now with the full bull nose edges, no apron and they want a leaf. How can we do that? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to hide the mechanisms inside the top of the wood. It's yeah. only an inch. It's an inch and a quarter thick. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. It's the same thing. No, no concept of how these things can function. Yeah. We'll make it two tops. You keep the long one in the garage. And then <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it might be easier, faster and cheaper. My question, my question about the, you know, bringing up the, the tables is, if you were going to build a table, then would you feel confident that the wood getting delivered would be good enough for a tabletop or would you have to go and select the wood at that point? No, we uh, built the, the countertop. Yeah, we built that that four foot by 11 foot countertop. With the breadboard ends? Yeah. yeah. So you were fine with that? You didn't? You it was didn't, close. I mean, we... Yeah. we <laughs> they had to be, you know, the problem is getting long, clear walnut with, you know that was consistent enough to glue up, you know, like some of them, the ends, there was something on the end <laughs> yeah. that we just couldn't use. So we used yeah. almost every stitch, we you did, know, yeah. like cut, we came real close on, on that, but, but the length was, a, was a big factor. Did you have obvious seams though, where the board, like, is it very difficult then to align the seams to try to make them disappear with the wood grain? It came out pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised with how it turned out because that, you know, the first thing you're doing is you're laying the boards all out and they're kind of rough. And well, and then you, you know, join them and plane them and do the same thing again. Sure. Laying them out and you're looking at it and you're like, uh, you know, grimacing. And do you flip the grain? I mean, it's hard to see there, but yeah. No, I'll I'll oh, go yeah, I'll great. go for appearances okay, first. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Stop doing that, people. <laughs> you don't need to alternate your growth rings up and down. That's that's asinine. We all know that one side always looks better. <laughs> that that's the real answer. Yeah, that's what yeah. I do. That's what I do too. I mean um, I said it diplomatically. <laughs> But that was sort of like lesson one when I was going to woodshop class, you know, that you were supposed to alternate them. Yeah, yeah. I think Mark Spagnolo puts it, you know, in a good way. So it's like, all right, the reason people do that is because the board is going to cup like opposite the growth rings. Mm -hmm. So if you were to put them all facing the same direction, you'll get like, you might get a gentle cup over the entire thing. But if you alternate them, you're just going to get like a little wave. wave. It's stupid. So, which isn't would it? you rather have anyway? I'd rather it look better, and maybe we have a. But design it, you know, in your design, make sure that your thing stays flat. Yeah, the <laughs> have other some sort of mechanical, right. yeah, some structure. Yeah, it, it's much easier to contain that gentle bow, you know, with the substructure sure. than it is to be, you know, contain an undulating surface. Well, yeah. the the funny thing is, I'm not a fan of breadboard ends because I feel they're always going to they're always going to grow or shrink. Oh yeah, there's always going to be that little gap. I mean, we we kind of had to do it, but they yeah. had that length. To, yeah, yeah. To, to have the length. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So did you convince them of breadboard ends or did they want them? Um, I think Jeff sold them on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we couldn't find, no, we couldn't find eight quarter. Mm-hmm. So originally we couldn't find 12 foot eight quarter. So originally we were going to do eight quarter with breadboard ends, but then I talked them into doing five quarter. Um, and I think it was actually, you know, aside from just yeah. wanting to use five quarter. It turned out nice. Because it would have weighed a billion pounds. I think eight quarter would look a little heavy too. It looks, yeah. You know, eight quarter can look pretty clunky. That's what I said. I said, you know, five quarter and we did it on the floating shelves. I said, it's going to be a much more like contemporary kind of look. Yeah. yeah, it all came out really nice. They had the client super happy. A lot of sanding on that tub. Oh, God. Speaking of sanding. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. We got to thank our third sponsor, <clears throat> and that is Unita. Yeah, Unita, Unita. Unita, go get a Unita sander. Um, so Unita is a manufacturer of, of sanders and sandpaper. Um and they were kind enough to send us two of the three by four sanders for Maker Camp, which we are now in uh, possession of at the shop here. Mm-hmm. And I know, and Rob knows well, because he had about an entire day, <laughs> um, what, like a week and a half ago, <laughs> yeah. sanding with that three by four sander. Yeah. So that's now like our go to uh, painted, and even, I guess, because we're trying to transfer into like a sprayed uh, clear finish. Um, that's like our prep tool yeah, for, yeah. uh, well, I wouldn't say prep tool. That's our like post primer and po and between coats of painting prep, prep tool there. Pneumatic. Yeah. These are pneumatic. Sanders? No, they're no. regular electric sanders. Okay. Um, so it's a three inch by four inch pad and it's an orbital, but you know, the issue that we always would run into, I mean, we were always afraid to use a, uh, orbital sander. Like once primer hit something, it was all by hand at that yeah. point uh, with like a block. So actually the new doors guys um, turned us on to the three by four. They brought one out. Not a Unita, uh, but they brought one out and we tried it out and we're like, wow. This, this is know. a game changer. Yeah. You've, you've got a, uh, like a soft pad underneath it. This one's pretty firm. Um it's not a hard pad. It's definitely like a medium, medium density um, that you can just put your sandpaper on. But then they also have sandpaper that is foam. So you can get like a soft foam, a medium foam, and you can actually use that to sand contours. So like if you had a piece of crown molding, you could squish it down yeah. into the crown molding and really actually sand in. like the the shape of the whatever molding that you had. Um but the, I think the best part about them is just being able to get into the corners of a panel. Yes. So almost every door that people want is a flat panel shaker style door. So even if you were using an orbital, well, yeah, you can't get into the corners. Round corner. yeah. And, you know, that spinning disc. That's um, going to cut. Yeah. That's yeah. Bad. You run into the edge. That edge is going to be done for because yeah. you're just, you know, running this. Um, yeah. Like much more like gentle. Saw blade. Yeah. Um, and that was the thing. We were always afraid with the orbital, um, just like too aggressive. But this is, it saves so much time um, versus doing it by hand. It, at first, I was afraid of it, you know, like yeah. I thought, because having used, you know, the random orbit circular sander, I, I, I didn't want to, you know. Bear down on it. Yeah, yeah. But it was a pretty quick. How's the comfort? It's nice. It's nice. I mean, 
And like Jeff was saying, the, the size and shape of it really lend itself to doing like this shaker style door that's so prevalent. It's, yeah. Are they all electric or some of them pneumatic? Did I see a pneumatic one or no? I think they make, I think they make pneumatic ones. Okay. Yeah. 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 But if, if you haven't tried something like this, you really should. Yeah. And they make, they make uh, all kinds of different sanders. Um, let me see what else they make. Cause I'm actually, I'm pretty curious now. Yeah. The, um, the sanders are branded X sand, E K S A N D E R. This is the one that we have. Um, and then they have these, you know, they're all these like paddle style, um, sanders with the different orbits and everything. And they are, uh, based out of New York. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. Spring Valley. And, you know, they've been around for what, like 70 years. 70. Yeah. Wow. Since- since 1967. Yeah. Oh, abrasives. Oh, that was a little chat bubble popping up at the bottom. I was like, what does that sound? <laughs> yeah. So they make uh, discs, sheets, sponges, belts, pneumatic sanders. They make vacuums. So you can get, you know, matching vacuum to go at your sander. Nice. Th- this is kind of what I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, caddy yeah we want to make like something for this uh vacuums because now we're running three we have three main sanders um we'll see if unita can maybe convince us to uh <laughs> switch over to their their stuff but we got the festival we got the dyna braid and we got the unita so if we could have something like this on our vacuums where you know you kind of store uh all three sanders that yeah. we each have to have have them at the ready that uh, would be nice. What do you use for sand and John? <laughs> um, I have a, <laughs> I have a festival. A Black and Decker mouse. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I thought you were going to say something like that when you got a long pause. Well, Walter always makes fun of my sanding because what I generally use the most is uh, DeWalt um, circular bomb sander. Uh, well, it's a circular um, random orbit, I mm-hmm. guess. Oh, man. And then I've got a, um, a DeWalt. See, I used to really like the old Porter Cable palm sander. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think I had one. Yeah, that was really good, but they don't make them anymore. And so now I, used a, I use uh, very often a DeWalt palm sander with, you know, you cut the paper in the four quarters and mm-hmm. you put it in that. Oh, way. it's a quarter sheet sander. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, you're yeah. living in nineteen. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. There's just something about it. I just like it with the spring clips. Yeah, and, the oh spring clips. And one of the springs is broken, and Walter's always laughing at me because he uses all my nice sanders because I have the Festool and I have uh, uh, Surf Prep. Mm-hmm. Looks pretty familiar. Yeah. Yeah, they're um, very similar looking. Uh, but I generally just. I always reach towards that uh, that old DeWalt. I don't know why. But those look nice. I know. I just got to up my sanding game. Yeah. That's that's an understatement. Yeah. yeah. When, uh, you know, I so my hands are still, they still hurt every morning when I wake up. <laughs> oh my God. Sanded all 700 of those boxes with the <laughs> orbital sander. I, I don't if know I had a DeWalt, I think my, my arm probably would have fallen off. I don't know. It just, there's something about the finish. I use like uh, 120 and 150 sandpaper. And well, does it cut? It cuts pretty fast. Or? Cuts good. Yeah. yeah. It's terrible, terrible uh, dust collection. Does it vibrate a lot? <laughs> um, 
I don't know. You'll have to check it out. Yeah. You might, maybe I'll sell well, you might, on it. Yeah, yeah, uh, could be wrong. Yeah, I'm doubtful. Yeah, it's, there's, there's a. Uh, Remember there's when a, Tom bought that half sheet sander? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those things, see, those things are silly. Oh my God. Those half sheet sanders, yeah. the old ones. Yeah. He bought a new one and it was like a Makita, but he bought like the, you know, they have like, it's like most companies, they have like the cheap one and the good one. He bought the cheap one and it was just like, everybody's like, just bring that back. Like, like pushing a shoebox around. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I'd like to check out your sanders, these new ones. I'll yeah. have to, uh, They're check nice. Them out. I mean, um, super ergonomic <clears throat> and so much smaller, like in the hand than an yeah, orbital sander. Yeah. Are those sanding pads really expensive? Do they add up? Um, we never actually bought the, like, the foam pads. We had a couple kicking around that, um, you need a scent and that, um, I think the new go- new doors guys yeah, left I a couple, left and them. then the Klingspore guy that I sent away for hopefully banished him away forever. <laughs> <laughs> the guy just kept showing up, and like every like ten days, yeah, or yeah. maybe even more. Like once a week, this salesman would show up from Klingspore, and he's like, "Oh," and then, you know we we're doing the boxes. I'm like, "Listen, dude," I'm like. <laughs> I don't have time for this. I'm like, I don't think we're going to be buying sandpaper from you. And he's like, why not? I'm like, cause what have you, you haven't sold us on anything. Like you're over here trying to like hawk your crappy sandpaper. Yeah, why would you try to sell the bats? How many boxes could you get done with one piece of paper? I do five. Five. Okay. So I change the, the disc every five boxes. Now, not to say that that disc is totally shot, but it just slows you down to the point where it's like, Diminishing you returns. Know, we'll spend $150 on sandpaper on discs for that if it saves a day. You know what I mean? For sure. The funny thing is throwing away that paper that's not totally shot. I know. I saved it for like a day and I was like, we could use this 220 as 320. Yeah. I'm like, garbage. No, <laughs> you, you just can't do it. It's like saving the wood scraps. Yeah. Well, it's, I've got a, a sandpaper drawer and I, I'll, like, I'll take the stuff off of that orbital sander Mm-hmm. And I'll put it in the sandpaper drawer and I'll be like, yeah, I'll use that by hand. And uh, of course, I never, you know, I just go for a new sheet. Oh, yeah. Because you're like looking at your project that you're working hard on. You're like, wow, it's not, it's too good for this sandpaper. You know, you go for exactly. a nice fresh one. Tom had Tupperware or like Rubbermaid containers around of all the, he would literally like want to use like one used 120 is like, he's like, that's like 180. It doesn't work. It doesn't. Yeah, no, no, that doesn't work. Sometimes I will take 320 and just take a little bit off of it. If I'm sanding a finish or something, just mm-hmm. to kind of like dead it a little bit so it doesn't cut as much. Yeah. Yeah, because that first. Yeah, that first the, one. The can brand be little, new stuff yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. We'll scratch it a little bit. Yeah, we tried out the Maverick um, discs, which they were pretty good. I like how stiff they are. They're like really stiff. Maverick. Yeah. Maverick abrasives. Yeah, they're out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see them on Instagram. California. Yeah. yeah. Now that we bought from them, every single time I go to YouTube, <laughs> I guarantee you if I was to put a video on right now, the ad would be for Maverick. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild how that propagates uh, all of your searches. Like, yeah. I, uh, I was searching Van Dyke's Restores for the hardware that I'm, mm-hmm. and now, like, I go to the Weather Channel, Van Dyke's on Restores. Side, yeah, yeah. It's always, uh, I get, like, Tools Today. 1620, I was getting their ads on YouTube every time for a long time. They, they, uh, they snubbed us on 
on the uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Sponsorship email. And I'm wearing their pants as we speak. So does that turn you off to them? No. No. We can't blame them. I mean, I would like to have them send me some free pants. Yeah. <laughs> well, Willie's supposed to be working on a collaboration with them. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to make, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I like their pants a lot, actually. I used to work with Mountain Khakis, and I like their pants, and I like their shirts and stuff, but. I still wear the belt every day. Did I give you a belt, or did you buy one? I won it, and you did a giveaway. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're good belts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could see, like, I have, like, a range on it now yeah. where I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, I need to get back to that. <laughs> That's funny. Because it's one of those web belts, you know, where it kind of just, like, digs in a little bit. I so got it's, a like, fr- frayed a little bit in the, oh, wow. You're, like, uh, Rich from Hayfla. Yeah. He's got the ratcheting belt. We got to have Rich on this season. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. I don't work with them any longer. Uh, I think the, the person we worked with is no longer there or something, and that often mm. will happen. So uh, my friend Peter, who um, who I worked with when we started the channel, or I started the channel, uh, he still works with me on some things, and he's got this other clothing company that he likes, so maybe something else will come along. Oh, that would be nice. It's not Sheen, is it? No, it's Howell Brothers. Oh, yeah, Howler oh. Brothers. Howler Brothers, yeah, yeah. They make some cool stuff. I, yeah. I know of some, uh, like, YouTube guys that I watch, like fly fishing guys who's always wearing a Howler, Howler Brothers shirt. They're, they have cool patterns. Yeah, yeah. Well, Peter, Peter's cool. He's like a real outdoorsman. He's like mm-hmm. really into all this stuff. So um, the cool thing about him is he's like really good at fishing and all that stuff, but he's also a really good cook. Hmm. You guys would hmm. probably get along with him. Is that the guy that went to Workbench? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was cool, dude. Yeah, he's, um, that dude is just like, he just knows food. Like we got to do a cooking video on today's craftsman when it's nice out, you know. Yeah, yeah like that'd be six fun. Months, six months from now because it's about to be winter. Yeah. Well, we went fishing and uh, we got um, we got one keeper because it's a really small area where you you know it's between twenty eight and thirty one inches. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Yep. So if it's you got three inches, too. why is if it's too big do you have to put it back? Because uh, they're breeders. Oh. So, um, we, uh, you know, so we went fishing, we got one, we got a couple of big ones, but how to put them back. There's a slot too, though. Isn't there like one, you can keep one that's over a certain size. Well, I didn't know about that. Yeah. I don't know, but, um, he would know that. So he's, he like ties his own flies and he's like into it. But, um, he was saying how he makes fish tacos. And we did a couple of cooking shows mm-hmm. back in the day, and we we got a grill from uh, Coyote Outdoor Living, and he would always do the cooking, and he's just intuitive when he's like cooking, and so uh, anyway, he, they people still reach out to him, and uh, and I guess he still reaches out to. So that's how I got that stove. Ah, oh. the um, so he had them send me two, and so I uh, sent him one to him. And then I checked out the other one, and it does actually work really well. The uh, I think it's Warm Bond. So the funny thing is, smokeless fire pit. Yeah. Did you ever think that would work? I had. You mean like those solo stoves yeah. and things like that? I'm. I was curious because my wife always says it's too much smoke. So this is how it works, and I was skeptical mm-hmm. of it. It's it's double walled. 
Right, so there's yeah. there's space in between the inner wall and the outer wall, and then there's holes on the inner wall facing the fire. And so the fire gets hot enough, and then the air gets sucked up through the bottom and gets goes out into those holes, hmm. and that ignites. If there's any smoke in there, it ignites, and you'll see sometimes fire coming out of those holes because the as the air comes out, there's any smoke that's like in the pit ignites. Hmm. So huh. it's not truly smokeless. You're never going to have a smokeless fire. So is that what smoke is? It's like unburnt. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at a campfire, if you look at a campfire, the, where the fire is, there's no smoke. The end of the log that's hanging out of the fire, that's where all your smoke's coming from. So when you have this fire in this steel pit, there's heat all around it. So the entire log is ignited. It's not just the the part of the wood that's in the fire, everything's right. burning. Hmm. So it actually I never works thought of that. pretty like good. Smoke is like unignited carbon or whatever. Yeah. How big is this thing? It can fit an 18 inch log. Oh, it's huge. But it's not, no, it's not it's like this big. Like 24 by 24? It's probably 24 by 24. Cause that was my first thought. Am I going to be able to put a regular log in here? And, uh, I, I see a lot of like the, uh, is it, Brio, is that the, oh, yeah. the big one? Brio. And solo stuff. solo stuff. And they're always cooking on it. I'm like, yeah. I get it. You can cook on it, but like, really? Like, I'm going to cook on this thing? And then they show people like camping and then they're cooking on this huge like ring. I'm like, you're going to drag this thing down to the river and go clean it? You just cook bacon on it <laughs> and peppers and cheese steaks. And like, it's just asinine. I, it, you know, it'd be interest, interesting to see because this thing, of course, has a grate on it, too. Mm-hmm. What it would be like to cook on there. Now, because it's a hotter fire, I could yeah, see you, you cooking on it. Great, I could see, but they put like a flat top. Like I a, don't like that thing yeah. at all. Because you got to go clean that. So this thing weighs, this is like a, a commercial for Warm Bond. Um, this thing weighs 35 pounds. Reach out. We got one more sponsorship and, spot. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it, you know, it, it fits inside this folding thing. And you, you're, it's designed to carry... Hmm. You can carry it by yourself very awkwardly. But if you were walking to the camp with a friend, one person takes this handle, oh, you take the other handle. handle. It's very uh, yeah, easy. It's like carrying like a cooler or something. It's like carrying a cooler. Yeah. But, um, or a miter saw. <laughs> yeah. We, we ended up uh, hanging out. Uh, Jack and Walter and their girlfriends came over, I think, Saturday night. And uh, we were just sitting on the patio with the fire. And so every there were... Uh, and I guess their friend Billy was there too. Cause anyway, there was five of us. And so you're all around the fire and nobody was running from the smoke. Hmm. So it was pretty good. Well, that works then. Yeah, yeah. I think it works. You guys can borrow it whenever you want. Check it out. It's like, uh, not on Thanksgiving though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be using it that day. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool thing. Yeah. This is a great time of year. Excuse me to have a little fire at night, mm-hmm. sit outside, have a drink, have a cigar. I'm telling you, a fire that is not in like one of these fire pits now, it's just like. I, I have like, I would always buy like the brazier. So it's like almost like a big dish. Yeah. You know, okay. some legs. And uh, if you leave them outside, which is where they belong, I mean, you can't bring it inside. They just gonna, rust through. Yeah. Right? The bottom. So then you'll, one day you'll be having a fire and the whole thing just <laughs> collapses. <laughs> yes. Same thing happened to myself. So ever since that happened, now I just dig a hole <laughs> and, then I start, and then I just cover it back up with the rocks. Cause I, you know, we do it in like the, 
I have rocks <clears throat> going back to the garage in the backyard. <laughs> we just start a fire in, you know, dig a hole in the rocks, start a fire. And then when the fire's done, I just cover it back up with rocks. We did that in, our, in the driveway in front of the shop. We got yeah. rid of we got rid of so much scrap. We dug it was a all hole. the first box, the first run of boxes. Yeah, it's amazing how much material you can get rid of with a fire. Yeah, yeah. I I used to burn all my plywood and stuff like that in a big chimney, and I'd, I'd have flames like going seven feet high. Oh yeah, I was out there with a little Makita blower, <laughs> and I had it was high. It was real high. <laughs> that when you introduce air to a fire oh, like yeah. that, I mean that's huge. That's, that's yeah. oxygen. I mean yeah. that's fuel. Well, that's why this thing works pretty good. You're, you're gonna have to check it out. I think seeing is believing. I was yeah. doubtful. We'll come over and have a beer. Or two. Yeah. You think they could send us one before Thanksgiving? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a relationship with them yet, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So I shot a video. I shot a video on how to. I shot like a Instagram video where it's just all done quickly mm -hmm. in a real format. And then I sent Peter a private link to that so he can send that to them and say, Hey, this is what it would cost for an Instagram reel, YouTube short with or without, <clears throat> with or without voiceover. And then I, then I took footage. So I, I assembled mine and then I assembled Peter's. And when I did that, I shot it vertically and I explained what I was doing and just said, you know, this is, this is how it is. Because even though it's such a simple thing to throw together, I still had like one or two pauses like, wait, is that yeah. supposed to be like that? And it's or, more digestible than reading the instruction manual, you know? Yeah. Because you can see this thing go together in, in the video in like three to five minutes or whatever. Yep. And that's what I said. Just let's see if we can get them to go for a three to five minute, you know, sponsor. So I did look for a video and all the videos were like 16 minutes and it's just guy, you know, saying, Hey, I got this. And then he, then it's off to his wife and she's taking it out of the box. I'm like, this oh, video yeah. sucks. I just want to know what am I <laughs> supposed to do with this one part? Yeah. That's like, um, you know, they like the manufacturer doesn't always know also like with the instruction manual, how to explain it best. I had to descale the Nespresso machine. Cause I was, I had to descale my one at home. So that tells me that I got to descale that one. So I, I go on YouTube and I look up how to descale Nespresso Virtuo next or whatever. And I get Nespresso's video and I'm watching it and they get to the part about the descaling and I got to rewind it. I'm like, what? I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. I go down to the comments. Everybody's like, what the hell are they <laughs> talking doesn't about? Make sense. Yeah. And then I go, I found some other guy's thing. 90 seconds in, I know how to do it. It is very complicated. But that's the thing. Like if you can explain something in 90, and most things don't take more than 90 seconds. Yeah. I, I made a video on how to remove my spare tire from my pickup truck. Mm -hmm. And uh, that gets a lot of views. I made two. I made one narrating it and one just showing it mm -hmm. as a reel and a, or a short. And I get a lot of comments from that. Like, oh, thank God for this video. I was on the roadside. And yeah. Uh, I was, you know, I was able to get, you know, because the the key to get your, to get to where the wrench has to go is in the back of your fob. Huh. So, you know, just these little things. Yeah. That's like when we, <laughs> we got that flat on the turnpike in the van. <laughs> Reading through the manual that comes oh. with the van, we ha we couldn't find the tools. They're underneath the floorboards. <laughs> like, and 
I think I might have been looking on my phone. Maybe there's no service or something. I forget. But yeah, I mean, like it, YouTube, it if I need to in. know how to do something, <laughs> that's my first go to. Like before even like looking at an instruction <clears throat> manual, if uh, if I know I have to like put something together or whatever, I'll look at videos before it even shows up. You know, like let's say I ordered whatever new miter saw stand. I would look at videos before it even showed up about how to put it together sure. because then it's kind of in your mind. You're sort of like, you're familiarizing yourself with. Yeah. And you there's know. always, like you said, there's some caveat. It's like, don't do this. It's like, I know it looks like you should do this, but really you got to do this. And if you do this, you're not going to realize until 10 <laughs> steps from now that you were supposed to put this screw in. You don't know? tighten that bolt. <laughs> yeah. Because it's going to screw up the whole process, you know? So it's like anything, let somebody else mess up and then tell you how to do it. Those are, those are kind of fun videos to make those assemble, you know, assembling videos, how to, how to put something together. Oh, yeah. Cause you're not really creating anything. You're just sort of helping explain something. Yeah. It's a nice gesture to humanity. <laughs> it's a nice gesture. And sometimes it pays well. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, something recently I couldn't figure out. And, and it was like one of those where like 30 seconds into a YouTube video, it's like, Oh, why couldn't they have explained it like that? That's, you know, it's so simple. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, so chronologically we started at, uh, our Hayfula trip. Do, do we venture on to, uh, make a camp the following week? We don't have, yeah, we don't have we, much to say. And I'm sure it, people have heard about it ad nauseum yeah. that that horse has been beaten to death. So by we, every other podcast in the maker community. So we us. went to make a camp. Yeah. Then we did the boxes. Yeah. And here we are. Here we are today having caught up. So what are you doing now, John? You're you're building that walnut, what would you call it, a console? Yeah, or? I'm building that. Um, I guess that's the, uh, the, the big woodworking project. And I, I'm thinking for my channel, I'll make some more sort of basic, simple things. Like, you know, it's something I've learned through uh, trial and error is not to use waterborne finishes on veneer when you're using contact cement. So I might make a video on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cause you might get some snag. bubbles in the, yeah. 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 There's just, I might make, um, I don't know. I, I'm kind of, uh, kind of, uh, burnt out a little bit on, on the YouTube thing right now. Mm -hmm. So I'll get that done. I really like making these videos. I really yeah. like coming here and shooting videos. I think uh, we're gonna do some stuff on the on Donna's job, right? The um those white oak. Yeah. Oh yeah, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I shot a video uh, with Peter doing a fishing trip. That was a lot of fun. I think I saw maybe a, a Instagram story when you guys were going out. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, I shot a, a video and. Um, so we started a, a channel uh, maybe five years ago called Two River TV. I bought mm -hmm. the I bought the domain name and I I got the YouTube thing. So we may start that up again. Uh, where I think when we started it, I I just naturally thought that I would host it because I was doing all this stuff. Yeah. But uh, I think that if I end up doing that with Peter, I could see him hosting it because. He's good on camera. It's like you guys are good on camera. And 
I, and that might be just me saying um, I'm not good on camera because I'm bored with myself. That's it, because you're perfect on camera. <laughs> That's nice. But, uh, you know what it is? I just really like being behind the camera. It's really fun to meet people. And, and uh, like, I enjoyed shooting the video up at Maker Camp. That mm -hmm. was fun. Yeah, that, you know? that uh, video has performed pretty well. Yeah, it was like... Like Bliss, it was, you know, he just turned on. Oh, yeah. When the camera hit him, he just turned right on. It's like, oh, this is cool. I He's mean, a natural. And we yeah. were dealing with, like, a lot of noise issues there, and it was not a problem. Not as bad as last year, though. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, last year you had uh, that guy doing the... Router slug guy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the whole place was dusty and... Yeah. yeah. Chaos. You had to deal with the weather, though, this year. Yeah, yeah. we lucked out. We were the best in the best shape up there. Yeah. Cause you were, you at least had concrete or asphalt yeah. under your feet. We had like a river of water going through, through there <laughs> yes. at some point, but at least, yeah, it was pavement underneath. <laughs> running so. through, running over all the electrical cords. Yeah. I had like the electrical <laughs> box, like up clamped to the table because it was, <laughs> ay, ay, ay. they really did get the, uh, the rain. Oh, this is the, uh, this is the piece. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when's this, when's this on the, uh, calendar? this is on, on deck. This is the next thing we're getting into after we finish up the salon. So let's talk about it real quick. What's behind those doors. So, um, it's basically these dimensions are slightly different on, on this one, but it's basically two identical, uh, units. So this is like, a. A, um, I forget what she called it, but it's like almost like a mini split kind of thing yeah. behind each one of these. Like a air conditioner? Yeah, but I think it has heat too. This okay. is in like a big apartment building in North Bergen. Um, so this is basically just a facade to cover that. And everything is on wheels because this, um, she's an older woman and she's, she's of a short stature. So she can't open the windows with, she's got cabinets there now. Um, like these kind of really modern sleek things, but she can't open the windows because the depth of the cabinet, you know, she can't like reach all the way over there. So she wants everything on wheels so that she can pull them out. Wow. And the middle thing, doesn't it have to be removable? Yeah. So that they can access and, you know, but if it's a mini split, isn't it going to be tired, tied to the wall with the plumbing and the electric? It is. So it's, it's well, there's, yeah, well, there's just a cord coming out of it and it actually gets plugged in behind this cabinet. Okay. Um, it's not a mini split, but it's like a, I don't know, it's like a heating AC kind of thing, yeah. but it looks like a mini split, okay. like a, the, whatever you would call it. But the, just electricity. It doesn't have the Freon and all no, that. No, if, okay. if, yeah, if, if it has that, it's coming in on the back, okay. uh, on the outside. So yeah, th these will just have adjustable shelves on the inside. But gonna, will she, there be a gap in between each piece? Yeah. So they're three separate pieces. And, um, you know, rather than try and have them all at the same height where they go in and they all fit that would be tough. tight together, you know, bump this up a little bit, pulled everything just like these are in the same plane, you know? What's the top? Uh, she's going to get stone. Okay. So we're not, I told her, listen, don't involve us in the stone. It's so you deliver the cabinets and, and the stone people come after the fact? Yep. Yeah, we can give them some drawings and stuff if they want to start to fabricate the stone prior to us delivering. But uh, it will need like a access here. So we're going to do something. I think I think we might have enough of that brass. That would be, that would be nice. Um, because the controls. The, from Van Dyke's? Are, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's call them. Yeah. So wait, how does the, how's that going to work? How's that going to fit into there? Um, so there's controls on the top of the thing right here. Yeah. So it'll have to have 
like some kind of like little door. So I figure I'd make like a wood frame with the mesh in it and then have like a little hinged kind of thing, which is kind of what she has now. All right. But she has all this Thomasville furniture um, that has sort of this motif. This Hers is, this is more like mission, I would say. Hers is a little more like, Tuscan, yeah, French countryside. French country. Um, I saw the pictures, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and it has like sort of like a whitewashed kind of finish. So, we'll have to. I told her we're gonna give her three finished samples that we're that's not the gonna fun match. Part. Oh, I said we're not matching the finish. I said, <laughs> and you know, most times it's best to just have a complimentary finish because you know, when you walk into a house and they have all the same, like if all of her furniture was from Thomasville with all the same finish. It doesn't look good. I don't think so. No. I think you're better off if you could just not whitewash it and have it white oak. That's what yeah. I would like to do. That's going to be one of the choices, right, I Jeff? Mean, oh, yeah, yeah. And I would highly try to persuade her. That it's just going to make your life a lot easier. Yeah, and it so, just, you know. Well, you said you're going to get into spraying clear finishes. Yeah. Does that mean you're getting away from vesting? Yeah. Okay. So when you're going to get into spraying clear finishes, what are they? Enduro. And all waterborne? Yeah. And how are you going to bring out the life of the wood? So we, uh, Dan mixed us up a gallon of Enduro. Uh, I forget what they call it. I guess they call it like a clear poly, clear tintable poly. Um, and we said, you know, we want it to have a little bit of amber so that we get that oil finished look while still being water-based. And he, um, so he, actually contacted Enduro or general finishes, I should say. And they gave him like a recipe for an amber and he mixed it up and he said, I know that this is definitely going to be too dark. Um, but now that I know what this is, like we can mix up something that's probably going to be exactly what you're looking for. And I sprayed some stuff with it. You could, you could take a look. It's like a garnet shellac. It's dark. Yeah. 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 But are it, you like totally for something against, like period, it would look nice. Are you totally against spraying uh, a shellac, shellac sealer? No, no. Because I tell you, that's just an easy solution. Yeah. It's just, it's so easy to sand and mm -hmm. it's easy to clean the gun. It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't have the smell of like a lacquer or something. Yeah, yeah. And then you can go over, right over it. Yeah. I've just had great luck with that. Yeah. Using, um, I've been using the Total Boat Halcyon on white oak with, uh, which is pretty bulletproof. Like I made my, my brother's trestle table and I used the halcyon on top of shellac on top of shellac. And I did a test where I, I used the shellac and three or four coats of the halcyon. And then I put a glass with water on it and left it in the shop for like two days. And when I took the water off, there was a little bit of shadowing and then within a day, it just disappeared. Mm. And that's like if it were lacquer or if it were uh, water locks or even the vesting. I've tried the vesting. I did, gave that a test and it didn't hold up as well as. We had some issues with vesting at the, on the walnut countertop. I um, was concerned about that because yeah. people don't respect wood. The thing is, I remember that cherry spatula I made. I made my wife this, it was when we finished the last boxes, I needed to just do something. Like I needed to like make something that was not a box <laughs> or something like that. We made, 
We did some kind of we, crazy job. We were job. in the shop doing something. We all had something. We all made something, right? Was no. That, was it that time? No. It was like we were doing something, some kind of crazy job that was like, you know, not very furniture-like. Maybe it was the bookcases for window trees, something. And I just had to do something like woodworking e. So I made this little cherry spatula, like with a spoke shave. Yeah. And, and I finished it with vesting and she cooks with it, puts it in the sink. It sits in the sink for a couple of days because we don't have a dishwasher because I haven't finished the kitchen yet. It's still good. Is it food safe? I didn't realize vesting was food safe. Uh, probably not. I mean, but. Yeah, okay. But, but again, that's fine. But then the countertop, we had some issues. So who knows, but. It's funny how you said like, doing something woodworky. Like when you said, what do I want to do? That's kind of what I want to do. Something more woodworky, like, yeah. like enjoying woodworking, mm -hmm. building kind of shaker furniture, that feeling that you get when you go out in the barn or the shop and you make something spontaneously. Yeah. Too. And it's just, it's not so, you know, it's not so, uh, drudgerous. <laughs> it's um, more like art, you know? Yeah. And like turning some legs on the, like making a making a little shaker table and turning some legs and that's kind of where I, I want my work to go for I'm trying to appeal to that audience who doesn't want to make an epoxy table but wants to go out into the barn and build something for their home. That's and that's nice. what I so I felt a little bad by not having a good answer before, so I wanted to answer that. You know, like <laughs> It, there's something really nice about making a wooden spoon. Yeah. Making, um, you know, just something out of wood and enjoying that process, making a bowl. Yeah. Uh, you can use all the time, putting fruit in it and stuff like that. Yeah. Something with some purpose. And and it's a real exercise, you know, because it's a or this organic kind of thing where, you know, you're starting out with a rectangular piece of wood and you're, it's like, stone carving you're taking away until you end up with this thing and sometimes you go too far and you have to change the plan and you know so it's uh that's kind of like a cathartic thing to make is like a spoon or absolutely yeah so getting back to the countertop what's the <clears throat> what are you going to do about that <laughs> well rob refinished it when he went down there so you went there with a the heat gun and just and the sander and did that? No heat gun, just sandpaper. Not the heat gun, the, the uh, UV light. Oh, the UV light. oh yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And how did that work? And what, I had to put, I had to sand it. There was she used that oil on the top of it, so yeah. I had to sand that because the oil then went into it. Yeah, so the that it was like a, up the um, sandpaper. Yeah, like a uh, I forget what they call it. It's it's made by vesting for that finish. It's uh, like a refreshing oil yeah. kind of thing. So I had to get that off. Ugh. What we think happened is when we originally installed it, I'm pretty sure somebody wiped it down, like one of the contractors with like, I don't know, something denatured harsh. alcohol, acetone, something. Because, um, you know, we've had I, we've had stuff that's been in wet environments with no issue. And she's, and I believe her, you know, that she hasn't used anything crazy on it. And, and so we did some spot refinishing, uh, like shortly after installing it, when we were back out there and we used the small light, I think that had something to do with it. The small mm -hmm. light doesn't have enough output to really cure it that well. And I think there was still underneath some sort of disjointed something from that original. So what I a headache. Out, yeah, I, I sanded, I didn't just scuff it and refinish it. I sanded down 
and then built You it. went all the way down on the entire thing. Yeah, not all the way down to bare, bare wood. On the entire top. Yeah, I went, took off the I whole did. top where yeah. it was like almost like water. So you popped. went out there with your with your vacuum and your yep. sander. Yep. Holy yep. cow. The they still thing. left by like lunchtime. <laughs> I, that's, that's great. It, you know, it was, I mean, uh, shout out to Rob DeMarco because here's how when I sanded the whole thing and, you know, it's not, it's, it's not that big of a deal, really, yeah, it's when bad. it's all said and when done. When you got everything, yeah. you know, when you got the paper. If you had a you need a sander. You probably yeah, understand. that's true. <laughs> so I sand it all down, clean it up. I'm putting on the finish, and Rob's basically right behind me wiping it off. That's correct. And, and he's I'm, experienced with that finish, too, right. which is good. And then I went behind him and wiped after him so that, you know, I got anything that he missed. And I, I put on three coats. Wow. Because <laughs> the first one, you know, it, it's there, but it's kind of dull, you know. And the second one is, it's almost there. And so, you you know, and you, you scuff between the coats. Actually, I'm going to ask Julia to um, reach out to Nancy and just check on everything. I think the thing is with, with, wood, fin- with wood, yeah, it's something's always going to happen. So like my brother's got two kids that are like in that perfect age of not giving a shit about wood mm-hmm. and furniture. And then he often uses it as a work table. Um, but um, it's holding up. It's holding up really well. Yeah. Now my kitchen table is cherry, which is not particularly super hard wood, No, but I finished it with three or four coats of either Minwax or, or some other, popular brand of uh, oil-based polyurethane for the floor. Mm-hmm. And that is bulletproof. Oh, yeah. I mean, and so like that's my feeling. If you can walk on it, yeah. you can put it on the thing. Now, I mean, we were looking for something that wasn't so... Plasticky. Yeah. yeah, yeah this isn't yeah. so bad, though. Like, it, it doesn't look bad. My, my kitchen table doesn't... You know, I, I did rub it out with um, steel wool, the okay. last coat, so mm-hmm. it doesn't look like plasticky. Yeah. Um, but it's held up. I mean, if you really want something bulletproof, I think you, that's one. That's one alternative. Yeah. And the other one is a waterborne poly, like maybe what you guys are going to use, or a waterborne lac, or whatever. A two K, like a two K <clears throat> waterborne poly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, two K yeah. is always going to be more durable than a one K. Okay. The other thing is, she's looking for something that's going to be used and and sort of show. Which it's is a use. which is a yeah. complicated thing. Yeah. Because it may not it's it not may gonna not wear look, evenly. It may not look like it is you know what I mean? Like some some people might have this vision of like this table in this Italian villa with this that, patina that has this beautiful patina. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it took a hundred years to get there. Yeah. And now you've got this one spot that <laughs> right. just so that's a very complicated thing. Yeah. Yeah, because it at, you know, at year one, at year three, at year five, it doesn't look good. No, you got to wait till like year 17. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where all the spots have, you know, merged. And you got to live with it. You know, it's one thing if you go to a place and it's there and you enjoy it for the time that you're there, but it's different to wake up to it every morning and you're yeah. having your coffee and you got to see the spot on the table right there, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, this is where I put my coffee. It's like, right. it's endearing when you see it somewhere else. But when it's, when it's your coffee cup that made right. that spot, it's like, 
It's not character yet. Yeah. It's it's still, it's still in the flaws stage. The um, One more tabletop finish. Uh, I made my folks a table about 27 years ago. And I shellacked that. And then I used, I think it was called diamond finish. Waterborne hmm. Why, polyurethane. So- Waterborne. And I tell you what, it's held up. And I mean... I think there's something like 20 grandchildren. It's an eight foot long table. Wow. Really got it. It, it actually had its first problem about a year ago when my mom left some kind of a perfume or some kind of a thing on it for like a couple of days. She went somewhere and it was like a, some kind of a something. And that was the only thing that ate through the finish. Hmm. And then, so I scraped the finish off with a razor blade using a razor blade, like a scraper. And uh, just spot finished it, finished it with, uh, I think, um, the Halcyon again. And nobody really, really mm. notices it. And that, that kind of now has that beat up look because it's 27 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it's not, there's no water damage. There's just areas where it's been hit or whatever. And uh, so I think the waterborne finishes can, can hold up. Yeah. Oh yeah. The thing about waterborne is the solids, you know, you could fit like 80% solids or something in a waterborne finish, you know, Mm. so you're putting less coats on because you're getting so much more build, you know, with fewer coats and, um, you know, just, just the idea though of spraying waterborne or or brushing waterborne on a piece of walnut, it just kills that wood. Yeah. It just, but you get, put that shellac in my experience, put that shellac on. Now I've used the tinted because total boat makes a tinted or a, I forget what they call it. It's like an orangey color. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not amber. Amber. Yeah. It's an, not loving it. Yeah. Not loving it. We'll have to experiment. I feel like it's, it's like putting like an orange dye on it instead of the actual wood. Right. You know, and I, I did that with white oak recently, and um, it was kind of an experiment, uh, and I ended up painting that thing that I did black. What are you using, Zinsser shellac? I do use Zinsser shellac. I used to mix my own shellac. Yeah, yeah. And then, From flakes? Yeah, with denatured alcohol. Um, I was using regular Zinsser shellac, not the de-waxed shellac. Never, ever had a problem with it. But then somebody called me out on a YouTube video recently. So I thought, well, shit, I'll just use the de-wax. Who cares? You let that guy win. Eh, I guess so. <laughs> I, sometimes I just don't want to get called out. I'm like, and maybe he has it, but I've never had a problem yeah. with it. Well, some, yeah. It, it's it, Sometimes there's those things where you could do it a thousand times and it doesn't give you a problem until that one time. So this is a, this is a, Weird problem I had. I, uh, I've never had a problem with contact cement and veneer. Never. You can get a little creeping maybe on a piece of furniture. Like maybe. I, I've, I've used contact cement with plexiglass and maybe get a, I don't know, a six, not even a 64th, a half of a 64th of an edge where it meets the side of something with the plexiglass expanding over the panel or something. But anyway, no problem. Anyway, I made a, I made a walnut veneer desk for a client who's pretty particular. And um, 
I filled the holes, the screw holes with Bondo, which is what I've always done. And maybe eight months later, the client called me and she's like, can we do anything about these nail pops? And I'm like, holy cow, what do you mean? Can you send me a picture? And you could see where all the fasteners were because the, I originally I thought, well, maybe the veneer delaminated from its paper backing, Mm. but that wasn't the case. What happened? Because you well, you could touch them and they were hard. Yeah, they were hard. Yeah, you could touch them, and they were hard. So, and and you could even see where any of the little brad nails were. Wow! You could even see where the end grain of the plywood. Now, this was a very thin veneer. That's one thing, but still, you would have seen it on on other veneer, I think, as well. I think what happened was I built it out of Baltic birch plywood, and maybe it was a humid type of the time of the year in my shop when I built it. Then it went into their home, which they barely live in. And maybe it was super dry there. The the Baltic birch contracted a little bit and the Bondo didn't. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. So I, I called GL Veneer. They, they had sponsored that um, project. And I'm working with them on this next project. Uh, and it wasn't their problem. So I ended up having to buy the veneer to fix it. And I was able to sand, I was able to sand it and, and not have to re-veneer. I thought I was wow. going to have to sand it. Yeah. That's like, like you're just like waiting cow. for it to burn through, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I, and my feeling was like, I think I can see it if I really, really look hard. Like, uh, maybe they're, but I'm like, ah, let's see what happens. So if they call me back, then I'll just veneer over it. Yeah. Uh, if they don't, then that's a win for me. Yeah. Um, the key is that old DeWalt sander. That, I think that's <laughs> the magic, <laughs> the magic sander. I think on that one, on that one, I used a block. Sanding veneer when like you're, when there's like a scratch oh, and yeah. you're like, you're, you made me think of it cause I was doing it a bunch on there. Oh yeah. And you're sanding and you're just like, how far can I the go? The key is to wet, always wet the scratch. Yeah. You know? That's good. It's going to raise it up. Yeah. The worst is like if you're building the countertop out of plywood with a solid edge and, you know, you always leave it slightly yeah. higher and then you're sanding and then you end up burning through. Wait, <sighs> a, a countertop with a, oh yeah, yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a solid edge on plywood. So that's why I never, that's why I veneer. Yeah. I, I'll do the solid edge first and then veneer on top of it yeah. so you don't see a seam. Yep. So I'll get a, a lot of, I like to use veneer. Veneer opens up all kinds of possibilities with design because you don't have to think about contraction, mm-hmm. expansion and contraction. But I'll get these questions. If you're veneering it, why don't you just use walnut plywood? And to me, it's like, why do you even have to ask that question? I mean, then when you band the edge, you're going to have that, you're going to have that band. And so what are you going to do? Do a miter with a, I don't know. Yeah, how no, how no. can you do it? Unless you used like edge banding, you know, where it's then, so thin that you don't really see the seam, you know? Even then, how would you edge band and then miter? How would you do that? Um, you would have to apply the edge banding after it was assembled and you literally, literally like overlap them and cut it. Oh, okay. And then still have to be pretty right on. Oh the line. yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that like fine furniture is veneered. You know, because it's better to to use veneer. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Okay. You know, like plywood is just like the cheap, easy way to do it. Okay. 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 You know? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I like mid-century modern furniture and it's like all veneer. Yeah. It's all veneer. Yep. So. That's like the stuff where people are like, I have a solid wood <laughs> desk. And it's like, well, it's not actually solid wood. <laughs> True. But it's nice, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, to me, it opens up a, a lot of design possibilities, but at the same time, it's not that easy to fix a veneer thing where like you can't sand it out. So yeah. like, for instance, like this, I don't know if we were talking about it on the podcast or beforehand, <laughs> if we were making this piece of furniture that I'm building right now out of solid wood and using dovetails, mm-hmm. if somebody banged the corner or whatever, you could kind of live with that with solid wood. Mm-hmm. You could maybe just rub it out, whatever that becomes part of its uh, patina. But if it's veneer, that's now a problem. Yeah, yeah, it's broken. Yeah, it's broken. We had a client reach out. They have this big bird's eye maple wall thing. And they're like, yeah, uh, you know, some of the veneer is cracking. I'm like, oh. <laughs> like, you're like pretty much out of luck. I'm like, because A, the thing is like 30 years old. So let's say we have to re-veneer the door with bird's eye. Okay, it's never going to look. No way. Yeah. No way. It ain't going to match. No. Well, so that's brings me to where people talk about the way to do veneer is with a PVA glue or, or rabbit skin glue and a press and all that stuff. All the old veneer pieces that I see generally are delaminating mm. the old ones. Now I've got things that I've made that are approaching 30 years old now and they're still going strong. So I don't, I don't have a problem with contact cement. Yeah. I know the, I know the hardcore guys out there do. I don't, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I just don't see it. As they say, proof is in the pudding. There you go. Yeah, I haven't done enough of it to have any kind of opinion. I'll trust yours. Just, yeah, it just seems to, uh, seems to hold up. You know? It's just those, those, that's the only time I ever had an issue was with that walnut piece and the, uh, and now, and I, I've got other pieces that I've veneered over Baltic birch plywood with no problem. So again, that's the one of those head scratchers, which makes you think, shit, I don't know if I want to do that again for a client. Yeah. Maybe wood plugs or something. I thought about that. Maybe that's the way to go. Yeah. So this last one though, I'd use Bondo again. <laughs> that's for your sister. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you got to understand. <laughs> yeah. If she starts seeing something, tell her she's imagining. Yeah. 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 Your eyes are going. Well, at that, we better give our closing remarks. We've been at it for nearly two hours here. All right. Hour John, and 58. John, where can everybody find you as if they don't know? <laughs> Johnpeters.com with a J-O-N. Yeah, get yourself some plans. Check out uh, today's Craftsman YouTube channel. More videos coming down very shortly. I'm excited to, for the first project. Yeah, we should yeah. come up with something simple that we can maybe bang out in yeah. a weekend. Yeah, we're taking like a solid wood. Piece. I say, I say, we just do that. Yeah, you know, like a bench, yeah. little bench or something, and maybe we can either put it up for an eBay auction or mm-hmm. put it for sale. Yeah, we don't want it. We yeah, don't want it. No. Yeah, it's not that we don't want it. We just don't need it. <laughs> we got enough crap. Yeah. I mean, that's the hardest thing. It's like <laughs> maybe do something. Try and keep it like under like ten board <clears throat> feet or something. You know, maybe set like a material. Sounds yeah, I like the the idea of parameters and yeah. stuff like that that make it um, attainable and, and yeah. you know for somebody to build 
And like I was saying, you know, when there's no parameters, it makes it harder. So let's <laughs> yeah. we'll inflict some parameters on ourselves to make it easier, you know. Well, the other it'll be easier for for the the guys and gals out there who want right. to build it on the weekend. And I, that's what I really see. I see people going out there into their shops and building furniture for their home that will still look good 50 years from now. Yeah. There you go. That's, Even uh, you know, Home Depot now sells like maple and and I don't know if they have white oak, but they definitely have red oak. Yeah, yeah. Um, I tell you, it's my least favorite wood. I hate red oak. Yeah, it's. I don't think there's many people who who are Dunkin' big Donuts. Fans of Just reminds me of like Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> Wendy's, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, 1970s. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have access to this dimensional lumber. We don't. I'm not saying that we're, that's what we're going to use, but maybe we could use that as like a as a gauge. Like, look, you just buy one eight foot piece of maple, for, you know, whatever. It's hard. It's going to be hard to do. That. Yeah, it's true. It's going to be hard to go. To I don't want to use maple either. Yeah, <laughs> that's another wood I don't really love. I like white oak. White oak, walnuts, sapeli, cherry, cherry, cherry's a great wood. Getting yeah. a good deal on cherry. Yeah, you have to look at those prices before you leave. All right. Well, uh, we want to thank Hayflow. We want to thank Ridge Carbide. We want to thank Unita uh, for sponsoring the show. Welcome aboard, Ridge and Unita, for this. Uh, Fourth season of the American Craftsman Podcast. Yeah, check them out. Check yeah. them out. Um, check us out on YouTube. That's at Ace Craftsman, Green Street Joinery, John Peters, Instagram, and uh, Patreon. And we'll see you next week. Welcome back. Take care. See you guys. We truly appreciate you listening. If you want to support the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Share the show with your friends or consider subscribing to our Patreon. We'll see you next week.